This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Kiesi. This was a esophageal versus rectal temperature monitoring during whole body therapeutic hypothermia for hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy association with short and long-term outcomes. Uh, the lead author, uh, Tai Wei Wu, and this is in the Journal of Pediatrics. So it's basically from the HEAL trial group. They conducted mm-hmm. a secondary analysis of, again, the multicenter high-dose erythropoietin for asphyxia and encephalopathy, or HEAL trial. Um, of course, all infants in that study had moderate or severe HIE and were treated with whole-body uh, therapeutic hypothermia. As a reminder, um, this was studying uh, the impact of high-dose erythropoietin uh, as an adjunct. So getting cooling might erythropoietin improve outcomes. And unfortunately, what it what it found uh, was that uh, the incidence of death or neurodevelopmental impairment didn't differ significantly between the groups. However, there were more serious adverse events um, in the erythropoietin group, just as a reminder. Mm-hmm. And the occlusion uh, criteria for this sub-analysis were pretty much the same as for the HEAL trial and most other cooling trials. Gestational age, greater than 36 weeks, presence of perinatal depression, confirmation of moderate to severe encephalopathy. And the exclusion criteria, like most other studies, less than 1,800 grams, head circumference that was too small, uh, genetic or congenital anomalies, um, and, and this imminent mortality. So the primary outcome much like the HEAL trial, was death or neurodevelopmental impairment at the 22 to 36 months of age. They call that the two two years. Um, and then they did secondary outcomes, seizures, MRI brain injury, using both an additive global injury score and um, MR spectroscopy markers of injury. But they also looked at complications of the hypothermia um, because they were studying the temperature probes. All children surviving until 22 to 26 months follow-up were assessed by uh, the GMFCS, the Modified Gross Motor Function Classification System, um, to look at the motor impairment. Um, they look at CP status, and they define neurodevelopmental impairment as any of the following cerebral palsy diagnosed by a neurologic exam, a modified GMFCS level of one or greater or <laughs> One or equal to greater or equal to one, uh, indicating the inability to take 10 steps independently or a cognitive score of less than 90 on the Bailey. They also did a four level outcome scale in decreasing order of severity. I won't belabor the points. I think I'll just get into the results. So of the 500 infants enrolled in the HEAL trial, 59% were cooled with esophageal temperature monitoring, that's the E group, and 206 or 41% were cooled via rectal temperature monitoring. You know, it's interesting, as for the type of the cooling devices, there was a whole plethora of uh, devices used. The blank control was the predominant uh, used 82%, the Ticotherm 24%, Critical 24%, and the Arctic Sun 12% at the study sites uh, respectively. But uh, while most study sites use blank control, six study sites even used more than one device at the same site. And so this is interesting. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem sounds to me. Yeah. Um, Because in... Uh, we haven't had a lot of, there have been some head-to-head trials of the cooling devices, but um, in, and in my, I'll just say my experience, they don't all cool the same way and they don't, they have a, oh. uh, they have a different ranges in, in how, how, uh, 
how close they can keep to target temperature. For okay. companies uh, who want to seek Daphne's yeah. endorsement of their product, please reach out to me. I'm her I'm her manager. <laughs> uh, anyways, overall, there were no significant differences in the maternal and neonatal characteristics. Um before the cooling, right? So proportion of subjects who received chest compressions, no difference. Uh, proportion of subjects who received epinephrine during initial recitation, there was no significant differences in the severity of encephalopathy. Oh my gosh, I'm really slurring my words this morning. The severity of encephalopathy, there's no difference um, in how much erythropoietin was uh, received between the groups uh, or time to target temperature between the two groups. However, um, between the two groups as a baseline characteristic, there was a higher incidence of intubation during resuscitation in the esophageal monitoring group, 75.5% versus the rectal monitoring group, 61.2%. Say that again, more intubation at what point? Uh, I mean, during resuscitation in the babies who ended up getting esophageal monitoring. Fine, 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 fine. Okay, okay. Because those are the two groups. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So the results, the frequency of the primary outcome of death or neurodevelopmental impairment was similar in the two groups, 49% versus 54% with an odds ratio of 1.05. And the risk of death or neurodevelopmental impairment remained similar in the two groups after adjusting for potential confounders. An adjusted odd ratio of 1.26 for the rectal group compared with the reference esophageal group. In addition, secondary outcomes such as clinical or electrographic seizures, the mean MRI injury score, and uh, the MR spectroscopy measures also did not differ significantly between the two groups. However, infants in the rectal group had a lower rate of overcooling than those in the esophageal group, 44% versus 58%, an adjusted odds ratio of 0.52. And the group difference in overall cooling rates interestingly, was only present during the first day of therapeutic hypothermia. But I actually think that's an important point. There was also, there was a lower rate of hypotension requiring intervention in the rectal group compared with the esophageal group, but this is not statistically significant. And on multivariate analysis, the rectal group, the rectal monitoring group had significant lower odds of hypotension requiring intervention an adjusted odds ratio of 0.57, and any cardiovascular complication, an adjusted odds ratio of 0.63. There were no significant group differences in the other adverse events, such as inotropic agent use, cardiac function compromise, duration of mechanical ventilation support, the use of nitric, uh, incidence of coagulopathy, or fat necrosis. So these are other complications, obviously, of overcooling. So, I mean, I, I thought this was interesting. Uh, no earth-shattering findings, but as we're, you know, discussing the importance of fine-tuning our cooling, you know, protocols and the way we do it um, is keeping temperature and better therapeutic range um, more. How important is it, I think? Is, is interesting. So it looked like, uh, again, the, the rectal monitoring group had lower rates of overcooling than those in the esophageal group. I think this makes sense, um, but it's interesting to see it. Thank you for listening to the Incubator Podcast. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or the Apple Podcast website. You can find other episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nikupodcast at gmail.com. 
You can also message the show on Instagram or Twitter at NICU Podcast or through our website at www.the-incubator.org. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care professional. Thank you.